The Murthy Law Firm has been clarifying U.S. immigration laws and procedures for foreign nationals since 1994. Teleconferences and podcasts were added to the resources available online in 2012. We are happy to offer this free service. Please listen to copyright information and restrictions at the end of this recording. Now, we are pleased to introduce attorney Sheila Murthy. Good afternoon. I'm Sheila Murthy, President and CEO of the Murthy Law Firm. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon for our very important discussion on something called as CISPA or the Child Status Protection Act. Joining me in today's panel discussion are two of my brilliant and esteemed colleagues at the Murthy Law Firm, attorney Adam Rosen, who's not just a member, but an assistant managing attorney, has been with the firm, I'm going to say 17 years or something like that. Um, really brilliant about so many different issues. And along with him, we have Ivona Bradfield, who's been with the firm maybe seven years, who is a brilliant paralegal and attorney now, just wonderful assets. If you're an employer and you're wondering, why do I care about CISPA? My answer to you is, if you care about your business, you care about your employees, if you care about your employees who care about their children and their families and keeping their children with them, we need to take care of it. And you as the employer or as an individual person impacted by your family or a relative or friend could explain to somebody who thinks their child may not be able to get the green card with them, wait, let's check out under CSPA or CISPA whether we qualify to protect the child. So what is CISPA? CISPA, as I said, is the Child Status Protection Act. It was a law that was passed back in 2002, so it's over 20 years old at this point, to provide benefits to, certain, to a child who has aged out. And what does aging out mean? Aged out means a child that is over 21 years of age generally is no longer considered a child, under U.S. immigration law, they would lose the status, but if they're protected under CISPA, you get a little bit more additional time. So the INA, or the Immigration and Nationality Act, defines a child as a person, a minor, who is unmarried and under 21 years of age, and therefore a lot of children before the CISPA law was passed would end up literally waiting five, ten years that their cases would be filed and the children would lose the benefits. Even if they were one day over 21, they wouldn't be able to get the green card with the parents in the employment-based context or as minor children in the family-based filings, right? CISPA does not change the definition of a child, but it provides this additional protection by giving this bonus time by allowing the, the dependent child to retain the classification as a child under the INA, even after the child is 21 years of age or older. So as we said earlier, the, the law itself took effect back in, on August 6th of 2002. It only applies to cases filed on or after that date. Um, sometimes you can make arguments about retroactive, but that's again beyond the scope of this discussion. So with that, I'm going to invite my colleague, Adam, to just talk a little bit about who does CISPA apply to? 
It's a good question, Shayla. So the CISPA can apply to a number of different people. It can apply to the children of U.S. citizens, the children of lawful permanent residents, children who are named as derivative beneficiaries of a family or employment-based visa petition. So um, an I-140 or an I-130 petition that's filed for a particular person who themselves have, themselves have children. Uh, diversity visa applications. Um, also asylum and refugee applications, the derivatives of those applicants. And so the CISPA has a specific method for calculating the person's age, and it depends on the particular kind of immigration benefit. There's some general rules and then some more specifics, depending on the kind of category that you fall into. Avona, can you talk to um, how that calculation is done? Yes. So um, for a calculation when it comes to children of U.S. citizens, um, as a general rule, CISPA essentially freezes the age of a child of a U.S. citizen on the exact date that that U.S. citizen parent files an I-130 petition um, on the behalf of their child. Um, for example, if, if a U.S. citizen father uh, goes ahead and files an I-130 for their daughter who's unmarried, um, when that daughter is 20 years of age, um, she would retain the status of a child under ENA, even if the visa petition or their adjustment of status application is not adjudicated until they're 22 or, or even older. Um, so the CSBA essentially includes two additional modifications to this general rule. Um, both of these modifications involve conversions of the petition from a preference category to that of an immediate relative. First one we have, so when, an, when a lawful permanent resident, an LPR, um, parent petitions for their child under the family preference F2A, and that parent subsequently naturalizes, meaning they obtain their citizenship, while the I-130 petition is pending for their child, the age of that child freezes on the date that their parent becomes a U.S. citizen. Um, it's important to note that the age that freezes at that time for that child is going to be their biological age, not uh, any type of CSPA-adjusted age. Um, so essentially, if the biological child age of that child is under 21 years of age, when the parent naturalizes, meaning obtains their citizenship, um, their petition will actually be converted to that of an immediate relative, which of course is the uh, most preferential category to be in um, and the one to um, has the quickest path to obtaining the green card. Um, I do want to point out that if the child's biological age is over 21 at that time, when the parent becomes a citizen, um, that child will not actually be eligible for CSPA benefits at that point. Um, instead, that child will be considered as an adult child of a U.S. citizen, um, which then falls into the um, first family preference category, which is the F1. Um, now, the second, uh, now, the second statutory modification we have is going to be when the U.S. citizen parent 
files a visa petition for daughter or a son. They're actually married at the time, and that's under the F3 category. Um, and then subsequently, the son or the daughter, they terminate their marriage while their I-130 petition is pending. Um, their age will freeze on the day that they actually get divorced. Um, so if that child is under the age of 21 at that time, then their petition as well will be converted um, to that of an immediate relative. Thank you, Ivona. So as you can see, there's certainly some wonderful benefits to be accrued thanks to the CISPA law that was passed. So the next question generally that we are asked is, so how is the CISPA age calculated for a child of a lawful permanent resident and a derivative child of, for example, family-based and employment-based cases, right? So the, there's a formula that's applied. And the statutory formula is that the child's age will be frozen as of the date that a visa number becomes available for the particular petition. So if it's EB2 or EB3, if it's an employment-based case, reduced and we subtract from that the number of days or months or years that the in the employment-based I-140 petition or family-based I-130 petition was pending with the USCIS. But only if the child seeks to acquire the status of a lawful permanent resident within one year of the date the visa became available. So now this is again getting into a little bit, it sounds complicated and it is a little bit because people say, oh, just subtract the age that it's there and you're all set. Well, you're all set, but you still have this additional one more hoop to, to jump through, right? And we've seen that in cases and consultations that we get at the multi law firm. So the date that the visa became available is defined as the first day of the first month that the priority date is current under the U.S. Department of State Visa Bulletin that many of you are familiar with, or the date that the petition was approved, the date the USCIS approves the petition, whichever is later. So it's either the priority date becoming current or the approval date, right? So, in the, so we always like to give examples to make it a little bit easier. So for example, if a child is 17 years old, when the I-130 immigrant petition is filed, for example, by the parent, right? That petition remains pending, let's say, for two years, and then it's approved when the child is 19 years old. So the parent files the petition, spending. The child's priority date then becomes current three years later when the child's actual biological age is now 22. But because the petition was pending for two years, the child's CISPA age is actually, you subtract the two years, it's only 20 years at the time of the visa availability, and the child is now able to apply for lawful permanent residence status as the derivative beneficiary or the dependent, and but needs to do so within one year of the visa becoming available. It's also important for us to note that the longer the immigrant petition remains pending with the USCIS or the US Citizenship and Immigration Services, the greater the number of days the child's chronological age is reduced for purposes of determining the CISPA age. And that's why in many situations, 
employment-based applicants with children should really try to forego using premium processing when filing the I-140 petition. Now, I always get pushed back sometimes saying, but I couldn't work because I needed the I-140 because my six years H-1 were getting over. Fine. It's okay for you as long as you understand that by doing that, you may be giving up on something else completely different, which is because you may be giving up the ability to protect the child for those extra few years, which may be critical to help the child to get the green card approval with you as a parent, right? So the next question that we often get asked is, how do we determine whether the beneficiary within quote sought to acquire lawful permanent status within that one-year date, that magic one-year date of visa availability? Adam, I'm going to invite you to to discuss this issue. So seek to, seeking to acquire is, is defined by USCIS as filing an adjustment of status application or the submitting the immigrant visa application to the Department of State if you're consular processing. And there are other steps that um, taken within the one year of the priority date on the, the petition that the, the, the child is deriving their eligibility from. In February of 2023, um, USCIS would um, USAIS announced a change to their position in the calculation of the CISPA age of a derivative child. So USCIS had been using and said that they would only use the cutoff dates in the final action chart in the Visa Bulletin published by Department of State. They said they would not use the filing dates chart, which oftentimes were more favorable. And so this created a problem which um, many people, either they did not bother filing the 45 application because based on the movement of priority dates, there was no expectation that they would become current or um, they did and the applications were denied. So in February of 2023, USCIS changed this and issued a memo that said they would allow um, individuals to calculate the age under CISPA and seek to acquire based on the filing dates chart instead of the final action chart. Um, and so this expanded the protections for many children because uh, if USCIS announced that under the filing dates chart, it, people could file their 45 application in one month and the child was under 21, they could file their 45 application. And so USCIS now says that, now said from February that they could seek to meet, meet the seek to acquire requirement when they file the 45 application, even based on the filing dates chart. So this has um, expanded the possibilities for people to keep their children as part of the green card application. So if the, and if the child's 45 application was previously denied based solely on the reason of having aged out, and but for this policy, the child would not have aged out, um, USCIS is allowing the applicant to file a motion to reopen with USCIS to reopen the 45 application. Now, the um, policy, the this was stated in the February policy, and Murthy Law Firm actually had a case where we argued this to USCIS, um, but that has also changed a little bit. So, um, but I'm going to let Avona, why don't you um, get into some of the limitations um, of the CISPA seek to acquire and also how that 
change in the latest guidance from immigration? Thank you, Adam. So there are only uh, some instances in which USCIS may excuse a child's failure to seek um, that lawful permanent resident status within that specific one-year limit. Um, and they've said that's only if the delay was actually directly caused by extraordinary circumstances beyond that child's control. Now, examples of what those extraordinary circumstances are can include anything from a serious illness or a disability of that child, um, debt or incapacity of that child to meet a family member, um, ineffective legal counsel, um, or possibly if the USCIS rejects their application for adjustment of status despite it being timely filed. Um, so these were very um, narrow, you know, options on, uh, and under which these children had the ability to be exempt from that one-year standard limit. Um, recently, our firm, our fabulous attorneys, um, argued something that was novel at the time. Um, and what they did is they argued that the most recent update that happened in February of 2023 that Adam just talked about, um, that that policy change um, is, in fact, another extraordinary circumstance um, over which our client at the time, the derivative child of a 485 application, did not have any control. And that child, therefore, was not eligible to file their 485 prior to that February um, policy change. Um, soon after um, our argument was made, um, thankfully, USCIS actually updated their guidance um, and issued it on August 24th of this year, just a few months ago. And they've expressly um, said that now the February 2023 policy update is in fact an extraordinary circumstance um, and, and one that can be used in cases where a child could not have filed for their 485 for their adjustment of status prior to this policy update. Um, and in fact, our client um, soon thereafter, um, they were also approved their 485 and now have become a, a lawful permanent resident. That is so exciting. That is so exciting. That's exactly the kind of news that clients and parents, of course, who are so nervous and who want to protect their children and be there for them uh, feel about this case. And thanks, yes, Ivona, to your point about being creative and resourceful and aggressive to help our clients. That's always our goal at the multi-law firm. We always push, push, push to fight hard to help people because our vision and mission and values as everything is about helping the family, helping the employer, helping family members, helping each other, right? So I know there's one last issue before we try to wrap it up, and I know we're trying to actually be really good. We try to wrap this up in 30 to 45 minutes, but we're doing pretty good on time. Um, what happens in case of visa availability? What happens when there's retrogression in the priority dates? Adam, if I could invite you to speak briefly on this issue. Sure, sure. So um, when the individual files their 485 application and the visa number is 
go backwards, they retrogress. Um, that filing of the I-45 application is their seek to acquire, and it locks in their CISPA age or CSPA Act age. The USCIS holds the I-45 until the visa becomes available again and then adjudicates it. And because a person files their adjustment application within the time frame to seek to acquire, their age is locked in and doesn't change that entire time period. Um, now, when a visa becomes available, the priority date becomes current, and the beneficiary fails to seek to acquire within one year, and and it's one continuous year, and then the number re retrogresses after that year has passed, they, they lose their Child Status Protection uh, Act benefit since they didn't meet that one that basic requirement of once your age is established and locked in, you have to seek to acquire it within one year. Um, unless, of course, you can meet the, the, the exception of extraordinary circumstances preventing you. When a visa becomes available but retrogresses before the one year has, has passed, so let's say it becomes current and then it's only available for six months and then it retrogresses, USCIS will restart and recalculate the age and the one-year clock the next time it becomes available. So the, the caveat, what you have to be careful here, is that the age calculation is done at that new and based on that new visa availability date. And so it is in the beneficiary's best interest, in the individual's best interest to seek to acquire as soon as possible when it comes to, when it comes to a situation where you have a child who will age out. Um, and so even if this is something that happens um, again and again, each time USCIS will recalculate the age. And so um, it is given the fact that we don't really know what happens or what's going to happen with the visa availability dates. And even though there's also the added benefit now of being able to lock in a Child Status Protection Act age with the filing dates chart, those filing dates depend on when Department of State thinks that, you know, priority dates will become current in the near future. And USCIS also has to decide that the filing dates chart applies. And so it is important for that reason that a person who is going to potentially lose out the ability to get the green card with their family, um, unless they can qualify for the CISPA um, calculation and locking in their age to file that I-45 application or immigrant visa application as soon as possible. Thank you so much, Adam. I mean, oh my God, all of these changes are really like, you know, for those who are impacted, which is a lot of people, particularly from countries like India and China, where just knowing that this process for the green card, your priority date becoming current, or even the the date of filing becoming current can take years and years and years and years after the I-140 and the children continue. They were toddlers. They were tiny when you started and now these are, you know, teenagers that are mm -hmm. coming close to the cutoff date. It's really scary. Um, and so, uh, you know, and I loved what Adam just said. The good news was that they also have allowed in the interpretation to restart the one-year clock each time the time the dates retrogress, which is, as she said, a big benefit as well. So all of these recent announcements of the USCIS from February of 2023, from August of 2023, which we have, by the way, also written articles on Murti.com in the Murti Bulletin, it clearly offers advantages to you and your family 
because many people obviously under the prior policy and the, the original wording of the CISPA and the government USCIS policy never often did not file the 485 at all because they knew that the children were, you know, not going to be protected. Um, and, but now that the USCIS has taken this more favorable interpretation, and part of it could be because of the, the administration as well, because a lot of, you know, as presidents come and go, we've talked about this, the philosophy or ideology of a particular person can translate to benefiting people, and we've seen certain flexibilities being afforded by the Biden administration, including this particular, these particular changes under CISPA. And now that one more important thing that I think we touched upon is the fact that the USCIS has confirmed that the family not being able to file the 485 for the child who's now an adult but still a child for CISPA reasons is now established as an exceptional circumstances beyond the control of that family, which makes perfect sense uh, and therefore allows them to seek to acquire, there's a strong likelihood that the USCIS will consider it as adequate grounds to waive, hopefully, the timeliness requirement for reopening previously denied cases. We've been hearing stories of some people saying they didn't have luck, others have had luck. Uh, so obviously, we would strongly recommend that you engage a, a law firm and a lawyer that knows what they're doing, and we obviously have done a lot of cases of different kinds with our incredible team here at the Murthy Law Firm. And again, by providing formal guidance, it really makes a difference clearly that the USCIS is willing to go back to the statutory reason when CISPA was passed back in 2002 to benefit as many families to protect children, to protect them from being considered as adults so that the families can stay united because family unification is one of the pillars under U.S. immigration law and policy. And I know we could continue the discussion, but I, we thought this was such an important topic that we really wanted to educate and enlighten you, whether you're an employer, an individual, a parent, a relative, a friend, so that you can share this valuable, helpful, cutting-edge information uh, to protect children and allow them to benefit under current laws and current policies and interpretations of the USCIS. Um, so on behalf of Adam Rosen, Ivona Bradfield, myself, Sheila Murthy, and our entire Murthy Law Firm team, we want to thank you for joining us today. If ever we can help you, your family, or friends with respect to this or any other immigration law issue, we would certainly look forward to the privilege and opportunity of helping you. Thank you so much. Have a happy holiday season coming up. Thanksgiving is round the corner. And I know um, we have Diwali for those who celebrate Diwali in a couple of weeks. So wishing all of you a very happy holiday season. And we look forward to continuing to take excellent care of you and your family, your employees, and your friends. This is a free service. The content is the protected, copyrighted property of the Murthy Law Firm. Unauthorized recording or dissemination of these materials without prior permission is prohibited by law. Learn about our firm, how to engage our services and more at www.murthy.com.